right, we've been in a study, uh, as you all know, on the church. Um, what did we say about the church as far as, from God's perspective, uh, why, it's so, why is the church so important? Real quick, in, in retrospect. Just big picture, why is the church so important to God? Pardon me? It's the body. It's His body, right? Okay, good. It's His body on earth. Um, what else, maybe? He paid a big price for us. He, he, he paid everything. Everything he owned, he paid to be able to purchase um, the church for his glory. Um, okay, good. Anything else? Um, so th- those are the two big big items that I wanted to um, kind of just remind ourselves as we walk into our time this, together this morning how important our time is together and why it's of, of su- such value. So, um, in that study, um, we have uh, been looking at these different things, and uh, um, we have uh, looked at the aspects of the church, we've looked at the formation of the church, we've looked at different um, figures or metaphors for the church. What's just one? We already talked about it. We just gave it the body, right? Exactly. Body. Okay, good. We've looked at the purposes and the, uh, uh, within, the, uh, within the church, um, we've looked at the functions within the church. Looked at the distinctives of the church, the future of the church uh, in, in time, uh, what's coming up in the future. We've looked at the spectrum of diversity in the church, that it literally is the most diversified entity on planet Earth ever in the history of time and forever in the future. Um, We've looked at leadership in the church. We've looked at membership roles and responsibilities in the church. Uh, we've just finished looking at restoration in the church and um, discipline in the church. And we said discipline's very uh, 180 degrees different from punishment. In what way? So, what's the difference, real quick? Remember? Okay. Okay. So, discipline's all about. Restoration, uh, and it's focused on what? The body is focused on character, remember? Character, not behavior, right? So it's focused on, on, on bringing character along to be more like what? Christ. More like Christ, right. So vast difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment has really, at the end of the day, no place in the church whatsoever. It's all about restoration. It's all about um, bringing people, coming alongside individuals in such a way that would allow us to encourage and exhort them towards becoming more like Christ. And then getting them out of what we'll call, um, all, which all of us are in, right? You know, um, at some time or other, kind of a dead-end street, spiritually, and getting them back out into the middle of the river and, uh, and, and restored to fellowship, restored to life, restored to... Um, being involved in, in God's master plan the way he wants us to be. Okay? Make sense? So as we follow up from restoration from last week, last two weeks uh, and discipline, were there any specific questions that you had kind of, you, you know, I know I've, t- I've interacted with a number of you off, offline um, just from the standpoint of any questions you might have. Uh, th- th- this study also is kind of paralleling um, some of the things we're studying on in our institutes also on Thursday night. So I just I was wondering if anybody had any questions, any thoughts, any thing. You know, I always wanted to ask that, but I wasn't sure about it or something. You ever find yourself in a position if you're not doing proper? Okay. Not experience life. Yeah. Amen. So it's all about um, 
just love. It's all about love. It's all about, you know, really caring for one another. Yeah. And uh, doing that in a way that uh, glorifies God, you know. So, yeah. Good good point. Good point. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to our last section underneath the church, and that is indicators of a healthy church. <clears throat> indicators of a healthy church. And in our time together today, we're going to look at um, the making of a healthy church, the marks of a healthy church, um, and application. So what? So this will be a two-week uh, subcomponent of, of the church. Uh, first week, this week, we'll be looking a little bit more about how to make a healthy church. And then um, we may get into the marks, but then, so the ingredients around making a healthy church. Secondly, the um, ingredients around um, uh, results of, of what a healthy church should look like. And I really want us to kind of, um, I, I, I would love for you to provide me as we go through our time together um, your input around some of these areas and specifically towards the end in the application I, w- I would like to hear from you like okay if this is the standard and this is the model like where are we at you know what can we be doing differently and better how can we grow how can we become more aligned with uh, God's model for for what he wants in a church okay fair enough can I ask you for that input okay all right, good. So, um, indicators of a healthy church. First of all, in the introduction here, a couple things as it pertains to the primary purposes of the church. Um, we gave four purposes for uh, of of the church uh, in, in our in our in our studies in the past. Um, what what were those four? Real quick. What were the four purposes of the church? Do I remember? Big, big, big items, real love quick. God better and love him deeper. Okay, that certainly would be a result of the uh, of these purposes. Yeah. Okay. Ministry to God, which is worship. Yes, ministry to God, which is worship. The second big one is ministry to believers. Ministry to believers, which is nurture, nurturing. So, ministry to believers. Good morning, Dave. How you Gabe. doing? I said Gabe. <laughs> Did you see? I said Abe. No, I think you said Dave, but oh. <laughs> I like the table, so I can... What's better, huh? Um, ministry to believers. What makes up ministering to believers as far as nurturing them? It has to do with discipleship, has to do with teaching, instruction, has to do with uh, um, uh, uh, fellowship and caring for one another, right? It would just be like... Uh, okay. That, Absolutely. That type of relationship. Develop them, grow them... Nurture them. Yeah. So the end state here is to become more like Christ. That's this particular end state. Okay. The next one is ministry of the world, and the ministry of the world is focused around evangelism and mercy. Evangelism, and mercy, those two big, big areas. And then the last one we talked about, and I think it's really important for us to remember, is a balance across all three. All of us, all of us have seen different maybe being involved in different churches where you see one or one or one of these like really focused on maybe and the other one's not that in balance. And we said keeping them in balance is of utmost importance because all three all three are, are, are vital uh, reasons or purposes for the church. Okay? Just in retrospect or re- in review real quick. Second is the primary focus of the church. Primary focus of the church. Um, let's turn to um, uh, first uh, Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15 together. 
Again, this is just really quickly in review before we get started this morning. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. Would somebody read that for me? Whoever gets to it first, out loud. In case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. Okay, so very quickly, what are the things we see here as far as uh, focus of the church? Um, It's called the household of who? The living God. Of God. And it is, to Jim's point, it is of the living God. Okay, so it's, it's where God dwells on earth, is the church. And the church is not a what? Building. Not a building. It's, it's the people that make up the church. Okay, So it's the household of God. It's where God, God dwells through His Spirit in, in, this, in, in the church. Second, it's the household of the living God. What, it, what that means, I mean, what do you think that means, real quick? They're with you. I mean, it's not presence. Is, is Amen. I mean, living God actually here is speaking of His absolute, you know, um, engagement, personal engagement in and amongst His people. That's the point. He's living. He is active. He is. He is make. He is engaged and totally uh, engaged. It's not like He's out there someplace and wound it up and left it to chance. He's like fully engaged in the most important entity ever in the, in the history of the universe. He, he is within the church. Okay? And then what else do we see about it? That verse. Okay, it's the foundation. The port, right? So it's, it's this foundation here that you build on, and according to this, the support, which is like the pillar, excuse me, the Foundation is the support, the pillar of what? So it is it is the architecture upon which the entire building rests is the the church. And its truth is the invading architectural component that hangs it all together. That's what the church is. Okay? So he has he has he has given revelation to the church in this time and space for them to know what they need to have in order to grow and become more like him. Okay? So that's that's the that's what that's what the focus of the truth is, is to uphold the truth. Church. Okay? What does a perfect church look like? I'd like to get your perspective on this. Um, we as we as pastors and elders um, dream um, about uh, building, quote-unquote, the perfect church. Uh, Our definition of that would be one that um, meets the needs of all who enter, who satisfies, fully satisfies, and meets the needs of all those who participate and come to this place called the local church, village church. Um, Lots of people um, are searching for, quote, the perfect church, um, what, what might be some of the? Um, what, what might be some? What, what, what would be a perfect church to you? Yeah, a, a perfect. I mean, where there's no. What would you? What would you? What, how? How would you describe it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that one out here. But now we're on Earth, okay? Because <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, when we're in heaven, there will be no need for quote a building 
or or a body of believers because we'll all be one at that time, right? In one place. So um, our uh, foundation is the Bible. Okay. So the Word of God. Okay. Is is uh, God? Is that yeah. Is yeah. held high? Okay. Okay. Good. Other things. Okay. The gospel is held high. You were going to say something, Marlon? Okay. What else? Why, why come to a church? What, what's, I mean, other than the fact that people are all, fellowship. okay, fellowship? Fellowship with others that, yeah. to worship God. Okay, to worship. I mean, kind of, I mean, the things we just finished talking a little bit about, right? Growing, what else? Growing the knowledge. Okay, so to, to grow, transform maybe? Okay. Like yeah, to application. Why? Okay, good. What else? Unity. Huge. Unity. Maybe one. Okay? What else? Self and not, you know. Okay. You know, what, what, how can I help you instead of you help me? Come to give, maybe. Right. As opposed to, yeah. Huge? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first point of me, of understanding. Good. Okay. She had a financial Yeah. Idea. Yeah. Okay. Outreach. Outreach. Good. Okay. So the one that's reaching out. Outreach, okay, good. Other ones? So, so if so, if a church had all these things, I mean, you would be like, you know, it'd be a cat's meow, right? <laughs> well, there's always going to be, you know, there's um, different challenges that you know have on that that list or different. Everybody's, you know, different. They might have the same need, but the way it's taken care of might be different too. Okay, so what I hear you saying is, you know. In order to get unity, you have to have an ability to work through conflict because everybody's going to be different. That's the purpose of diversity, right? I mean, if every this is the most diversified entity, you got like conflict all over the place. Right. Well, when we Romans, you know, Paul says that's not where we should stumble over that. Right. We're here to 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 grow in God's word, and if 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 one person does something, you know, we need to be cautious not to cause another person to stumble or just you know not let that distract us from. Amen. Amen. So, so is it a preference? Is it a preference, or is it literally like you know, a, you know, a, a commandment, right? I mean, it's really important to understand the difference between those two, right? Because he, the Lord asks, gives us differing perspectives of how to handle and, and work through that. Well, I mean, what you see also is um, just conceptually, people want kind of a formal church sometimes. Or a very informal church, right? I mean, when we were in California, loved it. I mean, you know, we had, uh, you know, ushers who, you know, took the offering in bare feet. And I thought it was great. It was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's okay. You know, I mean, yes, but, but, you know, I mean, that might, that, that would ruffle a few feathers here, <laughs> you know, in the Midwest, right? Um, so, you know, but sandals. Jews, whoa, don't go there, you know. Um, uh, kind of traditional versus non-traditional, right? I don't know what non-traditional is. It becomes the traditional of tomorrow, but, yeah. <laughs> right? What you've grown up with and what you see. Okay, you so know, what you, you feel comfortable with and what you've experienced yeah. and therefore you, brings you closer right. in, in the way in which right. you want to worship. You feel threatened when they, you know. Exactly, exactly. We have Yes, absolutely. So, you know, it's it's uh, a place of healing. 
So, you know, kind of added to that would be just, you know, the ability to be real, I think, and be loved anyway. Is that, is that an accurate yeah, statement? Yeah, pretend. Yeah, yeah no presumption. Only one we're accountable to, not, you know. Yeah. That's it. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. What you see also is kind of this, uh, some literally are hung up on, you know, growth, um, property, buildings, programs, and others are just like, you know, I'll let the spirit lead, and, and I can put all this structure in place. We're just going to kind of meet on Sunday mornings and, you know, teach the word and, you know, let it go and see how God works. And you know, serving and teaching, that's all that matters, you know, or outreach or whatever the case may be. So you see lots of different perspectives, don't you? And so um, um, one thing's of utmost certainty is that uh, almost invariably when you look at other churches, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Always. It's crazy. Um, maybe you haven't experienced a lot of other churches, but sometimes you see these things, right? And you say, man, you know, if, we, if we just had this, this, and this, or that, that, and that weren't there, or these people weren't a part of the church, you know, <laughs> or whatever the case may be, you know, it would just be fine. So if you ask the qu- answer the question, Jim, why am I here? What would you say as to that answer? I'm, I'm yeah, please God, right? Not, yeah, just changes your entire focus, doesn't it? Here, you, know, you know, and look at look at where Jim has come in seven years, <clears throat> right? I mean, we, we we've been in the middle of watching him grow. I mean, oh my goodness, from from an alcoholic who was ready to take his life, right, to coming to Christ and a man of God. Only God can do that. <laughs> yeah. To give his life to others, right. Don? I have a theory about the grass is always greener. You're in the middle of All the brown spots around you. <laughs> you see that from afar. Yeah. That's a good point. It's just kind of the, the top green portion. Yeah. That's a really good comment. Well, I just want you to say, I want to give you two rules about um, the perfect church real quick. The first one is, uh, there are no perfect churches. Okay? Two rules. There are no perfect churches. Second rule, if you find one, don't join it because it wouldn't be perfect anymore. (laughs) (laughs) There are no perfect churches, and if you find one, don't join it because it wouldn't be perfect anymore. I love that. Well, Luke um, gives us a summary uh, or a model for all the ages um, to follow. And uh, um, maybe if you would, turn with me to um, uh, Acts chapter 2, if you would. Acts chapter 2. What we find in the history of uh, the church, um, uh, let me set the context from a historical perspective very quick. Um, Jesus Christ had just died and, and, and had been resurrected, and according to Acts chapter 1, has, uh, verse 3, was giving many cons- convincing proofs over a period of 40 days. So, it's 40 days later from the time Christ rose from the dead, and he, and he, and he has now shown himself, literally shown himself in his post-resurrected state to about eight different situations or circumstances. Um, and, and groups of people, one of which was over 500 people at one time, one sitting, that could testify, present tense, testify about having uh, experienced and, and seen post-resurrected Jesus Christ. And what we see in verse 15 of verse one, chapter 1 is, says at this time, uh, um, 
Peter stood in the midst of the brethren, and the brethren at this time was a gathering of about 120 people. So this probably was all of the believers on planet Earth <laughs> that um, uh, were in one place at one time. That it was like 120 people that that uh, that, that knew Christ, that that were believers, and so uh, it's it's just the inner circle of of uh, of Christ. Bless you. Um, and so Peter stands up here and he gives this sermon. And what we see is this sermon goes through and um, people um, are amazed. And you go to chapter 2, to the very end of uh, verse uh, um, 37, and the people were pierced to the heart. And they asked, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the Holy Spirit. So he says it's for you and your children, and, and for your children's children. Um, and he says, uh, be saved from this, from this generation. Um, and that brings us to verse 41, which is where we're going to spend the vast majority of our time together. So, uh, 3,000 people come to Christ and, uh, uh, in this one, with the, from this one sermon. An amazing thing uh, in verse 41, he says... So then those who had received the word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. Not people, spirits, souls. That's what this whole thing's about. Is, is It's about souls. Um, eternal souls. So that brings us to this point of Luke saying, let me share with you this model that had to exist from the very beginning. Um, it, was, it was these brand new believers. Uh, they were pure, innocent, Joy was insatiable, and, and their appetite for truth was like never-ending. Um, fellowship amongst one another. Uh, Satan had not had a t- had an opportunity yet to kind of get in and mix it up. Um, it was um, the new church and had not been corrupted or attacked yet. True test of character of a church certainly is um, how they work through conflict and come out the other end. Is there that unifies them or, or divides them? And that is um, a clear understanding of a healthy church. So, I want to take some time and talk about a making of a healthy church. Verses 41-42. through 42. Uh, Would somebody read that then? Actually, go ahead. So then those who had received his word were baptized. That day were added about three thousand. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Okay. So first of all, we see a saved church. There are four, four, four components of a healthy church. The first one is obviously a saved church. A saved church. It says um, these people, the, the scriptures here in verse 41 say that they received the word. What do you think that meant? Received the word. Just heard it or? The gospel was presented to them. They believed it, right? right. They, they, they believed they, it. They, they were, their baptism is an outward going of, you know, you're okay. not just don't. Have the water on you, yep. in a reality. Just... Yeah, absolutely. So they received the word. They were born again. And that's the first step in the process of salvation. Is The step before that is that God's at work in a person's life, wooing them, calling them, want, you know, uh, beginning the process of opening their eyelids <laughs> because they are dead spiritually. And when he opens those eyelids... It's amazing. All of a sudden, they understand. It's like faith is born. 
and, and a person in this situation understood the truth. It, was a, it may have been the same thing. Maybe other people heard it even in that presence, but maybe they didn't believe for some reason. But, but these people believe. They receive the word. And, and, and that's the private side or the kind of the inner, inner man side is they received the word heartily, you know, gratefully, believed it. And, and then the public side comes out next, which is, and they were willing in their context, in their place, to stand publicly um, and be baptized. To be, to be baptized amongst uh, a watching world who, who are their friends and family and be able to say, I publicly am, am identifying myself with Jesus Christ. What a, what a great thing. Um, so um, they declare their faith in baptism Thirdly here, what we see is that, um, and I think it's just a, it's almost like don't miss it, okay, is that people get saved in healthy churches. <laughs> people get saved in healthy churches. Um, God works. It's an external manifestation of just the fact that people, life is, is alive and, and that it's growing. Um, it's, think of anything that's a living entity. Uh, it has uh, properties within itself for self-propagation. Is that right? And so does so does the Church of God, because it's an organism, not an organate organization. That's really important to understand. Fourthly, under a safe church, is that is that it's a spiritual work. It's a spiritual work. Only God can can save people, and so a spiritual work done by the Holy Spirit is absolutely happening in a place. Um, that's a mark, a key mark. The second one is a studying church. A studying church. 42a says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. So first, one, first of all, we see the approach. The approach here is that they had continual devotion. Don't miss the word continual. Ongoing. Doesn't stop. Insatiable. It's an appetite that is like ever... Um, growing. It's kind of like, you know, high school, high school boys, right? I mean, you know, put, put in the fridge or on the, you know, next to the fridge, you know, a whole loaf of bread. You know, you start off by giving them just a, a you know, a piece of toast or something. You know, now it's like, you know, half the loaf is gone, you know, after you're done, you know. So ongoing, continual devotion. What does the word devotion speak to you? Does anybody, anybody happen to have a different tra- translation for that word? Devotion, dedication, okay. Um, it, it, it tends to reach out and touch where? Heart, isn't it? It's like it reaches out and grab. It's, it's, it's like grabbing your heart. It's like, it's like first love. It's not doing it out of, out of necessity, but you're doing it away. Absolutely. Like you're a passionate lunatic. <laughs> you're a passionate lunatic for the church. That's what these people were. It's like you talk to them today. They came to Christ, and, and they're going to do nothing but top of mind, top of voice, tell you about who Jesus Christ is in their life. Am I wrong? I mean, they was like, come and see. Let's, let's talk about the thing that matters most to me. And, and that's devotion. It's first love. It's like, what is on the dashboard that gets all the attention in my life? Where's my allegiance? Where's my affinity? Where's my appetite? You know, where is my affection? You know, it's about everything 
It's about everything counting. It's about everything intentional. And it's about everything knowing I'm going to be rewarded. Everything counts. Everything's intentional. And I know that everything is going to be rewarded. You know, I, I, the first two, everything counting or matters and everything intentional. You know, I, I think of um, 1 Corinthians 10.31, right? It says, um, whatever you do, whether it's like, you know, picking up slime or washing the dishes or going to work or whatever, it doesn't matter. From the littlest to the greatest, what? Do all for who? The glory of God. And they live their lives for the glory of God. They knew everything matters. Everything changed. Everything matters. Everything's intentional. And everything counts for eternity. You know, if we just somehow got a glimpse of how incredibly passionate first loves can be, we would never, lo- we would never want to leave there. We would never go anyplace else. Um, it would be like where we desire to live see, with God. Believable. Their approach, continual devotion. The object that they had was the teaching of the apostles. The teaching of the apostles. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, let's read verses 1 through 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 through 4. Somebody got that? A myth being fictional stories, non-true, basically mysticism. Right? What is mysticism? It's coming up with truth from inside myself, right? Self, 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 everything, right? So, but what does he command Timothy to do here? Preach the word. Teach the word. Teach the word. When people want it, teach the word. When it's not popular, teach the word. When when it's when it's good, teach the word. Teach the word. That's that matters. And the Word of God through the power of the Spirit will be the change agent and transformation of lives. Amen. And interestingly enough, if we go back to Acts 2, what we find here is that the object of the teaching was the teaching of the apostles. So God, granted there's not apostles today, okay, but God has given gifted men for the, with, with the gift of teaching and preaching to, for, the, for the goal of building up His church. That's His plan. And uh, uh, so, uh, the teaching of the apostles or leaders or teachers within the body is of utmost importance from an object of, of devotion, focus on in, 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 a, in a studying church. Next is we see the purpose behind the teaching. The purpose behind the teaching is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The purpose behind the teaching is the Word of God. And it's, it's uh, humbling or putting bowing the knee of my heart to the power of the Spirit of God to use the Word of God. So literally, it's, it's, it's coming to the Word of God in a humble state, asking the Spirit of God to transform and change me and, and smoke out every cupboard and cubicle and component in, of, of my life, my heart, that needs to be changed, and asking Him to do that. And you know what? He will. He absolutely will. He'll, he'll show us where, where those areas are. Um, absolutely will. Well, there's two parts behind this. The first one is individually or personally, and uh, it's spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation. So, God is at work in us to 
transform us. What does just the word transformation mean? Or, or uh, you know, Paul talks about this as being, quote, conformed to the image of who? Christ. Okay? What does personal transformation assume then is the case about all of our lives? That we need it. Right? That all of us need it. If we weren't on a journey or a quest, it says we've what? Arrived. And he says, all of us are on this journey. All of us need this spiritual transformation of our hearts and our, and, and our lives. So absolutely, um, it's of utmost importance. So what is this biblical transformation or world transformation? I'm, I, I would suggest it is literally, to begin with, a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. Because if, in fact, our actions come from our thoughts, right, then we have to be able to somehow think differently about everything. So, you know, I use the, I use the, the picture of, you know, here I am right here, and um, this is the way I used to think. Um, is this the way I now should think? Almost, I mean, you name it, it's almost invariably what? <coughs> 180 degrees difference. This is natural, supernatural. Now I ask you, if this was our life before Christ, and this is the life of most of us as we grow in Christ, then every situation, every circumstance, every thought, everything has to be taken captive. The natural has to be taken captive and done what to it? Transformed and and changed into the way in which God wants me to think differently. And like I said, almost invariably, it's, it's like everything. It's everything in our life. You name a thing, I'll, I'll probably be able to share, show you how our first inclination towards such is probably not what God wants. It's, it's almost invariably selfish. It's almost invariably filled with pride. I mean, it's almost invariably something that is is comes from my human nature, from the curse, right? So that's just the way it is. So this is the, the individual spiritual transformation is all about. Developing a biblical worldview and, getting, and seeing God work in that. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 2.2. 1 Peter 2.2. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Somebody read that. Who want babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Okay, so how does a person grow in respect to salvation? I thought they were saved or they weren't. Or they weren't. Okay. So he's not saying the person's not a baby here. He's saying they're a baby. So salvation has occurred already. So this is talking about becoming more like Christ, right? Because when you're baby, I mean, you don't all of a sudden you're mature. Exactly. You're a baby. Exactly. Just like a mother or father would care for their child, they want them to put nutrients. Absolutely. That's what God wants. Absolutely. And he says, he says the Word of God is, is our nutrients. It is the place where we should um, spend the time. You know, when a person's a, a newborn baby, um, it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's every two hours. Like, oh, food. <laughs> now, why aren't we doing that? And they want the right and then with the right food, it's like, yeah, it's like they'll spit it out and they'll, you know, regurgitate it. Yep. 
they don't ask for food starving. Mm. And only because the parents know they're starved, mm. child will just starve just to starve death. death. But if the parents can find a child, oh, child yeah. will starve to death. Yeah. We sometimes Amen. think we don't need to be in our way. Yeah. Because and if left alone, just don't get it, do we? Thinking, yeah. Ah, just get it on Sunday or I'll eventually get it. I mean, we're really deceiving ourselves that that smart and that, you know... Amen. It's strong. Yeah. I, I got to tell you the, the story, and, she, you know, if, if you talk to her, she'll, she'll, she'll tell you that's not the case or whatever, she'll blab. But let me tell you, you know, it is so exciting to see somebody who's just come to Christ. Mm-hmm. It is so refreshing. Um, Judy has just come to Christ not very long ago, and she's a part of our body about five months, six months ago. This lady cannot get enough. She has taken an entire room of her house, and just it is littered with books and Bibles and, and notes. and um, she, She's taking every sermon that we have on the website, and she's like downloading it, and she's like listening to it, and like going through the notes, and taking them herself, and trying to figure out what's what. It's like, yeah, yeah. So what is it about our lives in Christ that says that ever should stop? Oh my goodness. It's like, how do we become insatiable for the Word of God? Just passionate lunatics about it, you know. Like, grow in Christ. I I got a phenomenal call this week. Um, it It was one of those calls you may get a few in your lifetime like this. I had uh, one of my best managers uh, about 11 years ago, um, left Motorola, and uh, he and I were very close. He was absolutely a non-believer, and um, he he went to Colorado, then with Nextel back to um, uh, back east, and then back to Colorado. He married one of the gals from Motorola, and, and then went out to California, and I knew he had gone out there. But I got this call from him, and he says, I had something, some, somehow I knew I needed to call you, and I needed to tell you um, how much of an influence you, know, you had in my life um, on two fronts. One was um, on the spiritual front, and one was on the, on the business front. But on the spiritual front, I want you to know that I have accepted Christ as my Savior. And... I came to Christ six months after my wife did, and both my both of my children, both my girls now have accepted Jesus also. And I'm an elder at our church, and I had to call you and tell you that what happened. And I was like, <laughs> I just, you know, literally cried on the phone. It was unbelievable. And, you know, what a great thing to know what happens when a person comes to Christ. He was like so pumped about life and about growth and about Spiritual things. I mean, it, yeah, he talked about the, the what was going on in business, but it was like, you know, let's talk about what matters most. You know, it's our life in Christ, and it was so refreshing to see it. You know, and, and and that's what he's saying here is long for the Word of God. Have this intense, intense longing for God's Word. In, in, in Romans twelve two, won't turn to it, but he talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And don't think the same way the world thinks, which is what? More highly of themselves than they ought to think. You change your mind, transform it by the renewing of it through the Word of God. 
Ephesians 4 talks about be renewed in your mind and put on the new self, the new self that has been created in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, if, if that's the first part of the purpose of behind teaching, which is seeing the Word of God and the Spirit of God actively involved in spiritual transformation in our lives, and it's like front and center, affections, appetites, you name it, get it done, and, and, and have this passionate lunacy for the Word of God, okay, then the second part of this whole thing is corporately as opposed to individually. Corporately versus individually. When we say corporately, we mean like all togetherisms, you know? All's y'alls. It's all of us together, okay? And it's about protection. Um, Acts 17.11 Acts 17.11 says, examine the word for yourself. It talks about the Bereans who were in Berea. And what did they do? They even took Paul and Apostle's words and did what to them? Put Put them under a microscope. Put them on a magnifying glass to see what? If they held water. So what did that what what does what do you have to assume that they have learned in order to do that? How to read. How to be able to what? Understand it, right? Be able to what? Synthesize, discern the things they're hearing and bounce it against something. So they had to know the Word of God themselves in such a way to be able to see if it's counterfeit or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. So protection of the body in total is the responsibility of sound teaching. Total. Okay, let's move to the third one. So the first is a saved church. Second is a studying church. The third key um, for for making a healthy church is a fellowshipping church. A fellowshipping church. He says in 42b, uh, back to um, Acts, let's get it back to Acts 2. He says in verse 42b, he says, uh, All who had believed were together and had all things in common. Um, and, and then 40 uh, says, and, and they had fellowship, 42b. Not only apostles teaching, but fellowship. So fellowship is exactly that. It's uh, it's it, it, the point here is it's like a developing a community mindset. Community mindset natural, not normally, is it? I mean, most people want their way and their own deal, right? And they're selfish and better, right? That's the natural way. So, so in essence, a community communal like mindset is is a little bit different than our you know more. Now, why would people want that if they're not believers? I think there's a I think there's a sense in us that God has built for community. I really do. And I think that that they come up with all different kinds of ways to experience community than necessarily, you know, um, the church. Quite fascinating to me. Um, but here he says um, uh, uh, he talks about sharing in common. That's what that's what fellowship means is to share things in common. Share things in common. Just to share with somebody. What are some th- kinds of things that we might share together? I mean, it's not like going to lunch after this morning's service and having lunch together, right? I mean, that might be a part of it, but, I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Share our lives. Yeah. Okay, good. Share our resources, maybe. Physical, financial. Okay. What else? Time. Time. Yeah, time. 
big time. Emotionally, to the point of doing life on life, you know, are we willing to be um, vulnerable one to another? You know, be able to uh, do life together, so to speak. Okay? So that's really talking about being a partner. Being a partner. Being a partner means to literally uh, not only share something with somebody, but share in something with somebody. And that's what you were just talking about, is life. You know, sharing life together. It's sharing in something also. Um, so this is really the interaction of believers with each other in this thing we call common life, or the fellowship of life, life on life, if you would. Um, it, and, and, and it's inclusive of things like sharing victories, sharing failures, sharing joys, sharing heartaches, ministering to one another with our spiritual gifts, um, showing mercy, showing, exhorting when you need to exhort, admonishing when we need to exhort one another, encouraging one another, um, grieving with one another, comforting one another, name it. It's really life on life. So another part of this is it says in 442C that they broke bread together. They, it says to the breaking of bread, uh, breaking of bread. So what was this, do you think? I mean, it was what, what might this have been? Communion, okay. So we're today going to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. Um, this would have been an, um, an act that they did every time they got together. But it also could just be what? Just eating together, yeah, yeah. Sharing the, 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 the food resources together. so that Because there were a lot of people who, were, who, who didn't have anything. So, so they had to, had to be able to be uh, uh, kept um, with, with the resources of others. So, yeah. Um, the next one here, number four, is a praying church. A praying church. It says in 42D, and to prayer. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, being together, uh, sharing all things in common. They were uh, uh, devoted, uh, continually devoted to the Lord's Supper and to, and to sharing their, their food together. And last but not least, they were continually devoted, devoted to prayer. What, what this means as far as being continually devoted has everything to do with the fact that prayer, um, it's, it, it, the context here probably is not talking about personal prayer as much as he's probably talking about uh, prayer together, corporate prayer, body prayer, come together. The point here is have pr- uh, prayer for these people um, was like first. It was when they came together, whenever they came together, they prayed. What does that communicate to you about the position of their heart, if that's the case? Yeah. Yes. Which says, my heart has to be humble, and my heart has to be dependent, not independent, right? So when we come together... Uh, his, the point here is Luke's trying to communicate is that do we have a dependent heart? Do we look first and foremost to the things we can do first and then, oh, by the way, you know, if we can't get it done, you know, maybe God can step in? Or do we literally come to him with a humble heart saying, I need you. We need you. Nothing can be accomplished in God's eternal time frame as to what matters most in the spiritual realm without a full dependency upon God doing it. Nothing can be done. No successes 
in this in, in, in the eternity with eternity in mind can ever be accomplished through ourselves. Nothing. That that puts you in a pretty humble state. What's mean a humble state? Every time I study, every time I open the Word of God, every time I prepare for a lesson, every time I come try to walk through this, I try to say to myself, like, okay, nothing's gonna happen here. <laughs> nothing's gonna happen but but God. But God making that changing burst. So I can speak of the overflow of my life. That's all that matters. So front and center focus. Fully devoted, continually devoted, always devoted to to corporate prayer. Whenever you come together, have first and foremost on your mind to pray, to pray together. It's of utmost importance. Any comments or questions about the first four areas of um, how to uh, how Luke articulates how to make a healthy church? So what are they again? First of all, they're saved, right? Second is what? Studying or teaching. Third is fellowshipping together. And the fourth is the is the baseline of prayer. Right. Okay. We're going to start into um, the marks of a healthy church, and we'll probably just go through the first one today. So the marks of a healthy church are in verses 43 through 47. And the first one uh, of the six marks that we're going to look at together is in verse 43, and that's supernatural worship. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. Sense of awe. What is a sense of awe? Yeah, you're like going, oh my goodness. It's like totally out of the norm, right? It's like really... uh, Can't take your eyes off. off. You're totally engaged, totally engrossed. Okay. What else? Unexpected. Unexpected. Okay. And this is awe of who? God. What God's doing. All of a sudden you jumped it, right? You took it to another whole level. It's like, whoa, 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 what's God doing? It just jumped it to another whole platform. It took it out of the physical and it took it to where? The eternal and the spiritual. Whoa, reverent awe. It's like, Standing in utter amazement. Um, almost a sense of fear, but it's not one of terror. It's one of re- unbelievable reverence. Unbelievable reverence. It, it's worship and adoration of God's presence that all of a sudden manifested itself in some way, shape, or form in our, in, in our presence. It's like, whoa. So, awe itself is... Um, is the natural response. It's our proper response to God's presence and work in our midst. It is like, whoa, God's at work. God's changing. God's manifesting Himself. God's making transformation occur. Whoa. It's like, um, it usually consists um, kind of of a, um, a hushed silence. It's like just kind of standing back to Him. <laughs> like that, you know. And I guess my question for us is, like, how, how many times in the last week, how many times in the last month, how many times in the last year have we, like, been totally engaged and engrossed in the awe of God because of what He's doing in our presence? Like, oh, we even know what He's doing. Even front and center on our lives. Amen. And you know what? Some amazing things are happening in our church. Amazing things. God is transforming amazing ways. 
Do we have a lot of, lot to grow in? Oh, my good. Like, yes. Yes, we do. But it's, the cool thing is, is that he's, he's at work. Um, turn with me to Acts 5, verse 11. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, take a look at this together. Acts 5, verse 11. Somebody will read that for me. Okay, what are the, these things he's talking about? What, what was happening in the in, in chapter five? What had occurred? Pardon me. This is Ananias and Sapphira, right? And and she did what? Land. Okay, because everybody else was doing it, right? And and to, to help the resource to bring it to the apostles' feet. So they so they sold a hundred percent. And, and kept eighty, you know, kept twenty percent, right? And and said they gave a hundred percent. God, God's, God wanted to make a, an absolute point. I think God makes points in our lives that His holiness is far more important than than our lack of uh, His holiness is absolutely the most important thing, and that tolerating sin in our in the church's life and in our lives weakens us. And he says, I'm going to do something here at the very outset of this first church that is going to set the stage for people to understand the holiness of God in the church. Church must be holy. And he literally kills Ananias and Sapphira in front of everybody. Imagine that. All of a sudden, one of us drops dead. Right there. It says what? And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. What an amazing thing is that what we see here is the fear of God produces a high view of Him and that high view of God demands an absolute foundation in our church and in our lives of utter holiness. It's like Isaiah in in, in chapter 6. He's like, whoa, I'm undone. When we catch a glimpse of God's holiness, it's like it shatters the very foundation of our, of our souls. And it says, there is something that is far above us, and He demands us to be holy if He wants to be, have intimacy. So, in our lives, we have to be saying, whoa. In our corporate midst, as a body, we have to be saying, whoa. And it's about God's holiness, and He will not tolerate um, sins of silence. He won't tolerate us putting things on the back burner and not dealing with them. And so the last one here is many signs and wonders were taking place. It says through the apostles. So this supernatural awe and worship was 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 being un, un, uh, unfolded, and many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. That's different from today in that we don't have apostles. But you know what? Signs and wonders, um, not in the same sense, but certainly it as they pertain, if you would, to the absolute uh, supernatural sense of God's presence, can be experienced today. Can be experienced today. Does God still do miracles? Yeah. He doesn't have miracle workers around, but you know what? I mean, he's in the process of transforming lives. Is that not the greatest miracle there is? (laughs) You know? So that's what what he's all about. And he's at work today. Um, So the first mark that that we look at here is that of supernatural worship. Have you personally experienced supernatural worship? I mean, it is so amazing. It's like totally enrapturing and engulfing. And I am not a normally um, an experiential person. But let me tell you, as worship God in what? Spirit and in truth. 
that there's back to this balance. There is this balance needed in our lives to have an experiential, joy, emotive, filled life with God. And anytime we don't have this balance approach to this thing, um, we're probably missing out on spirit, on experiencing life to to its best, to its fullest. You done? Witness that in the hospital was at their probably said at times you gave it his son's work. They got, you know, hundred down hours for him there. And they're just got there. But, I mean they immediately praise him. And um, shortly after, you know, this is after hours, was late, you know, the reality started to set in how long could he go on like wrong. But there was, and um, I think the reality set in that time. And they started telling him, I believe our crap one point when he pulled the trigger and he died. Amen. Amen. And he gave those worship with him. Amen. Amen. No, it was absolutely. Uh, but you know, but that's our God. That's our God. Amen. But but I mean, that came on the backdrop of of absolute heartfelt, contagiously enthusiastic, joyful worship about who God is and His character, and, that, and then he he reciprocated. And dem- demonstrably sh- showed in an experiential way you know, his goodness, you know, in the life. Yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. Um, Jeff, can you close us in prayer? Thank you for this time, considering us as believers and as a church. Father God, we thank you for the fact for us today. Um, humbled by your, uh, you make us true worshipers in every. Thank you for your word in our hearts. Amen. Amen.